Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. I'm going to try to start interlacing podcasts with shorter podcasts. And I know sometimes people love lengthy, long messages to listen to, but sometimes it's like, you just need like a quick dose of something. And so you're going to see a a change in the podcast. Some are going to be longer, some are going to be shorter. And I'm doing that to kind of fit the needs of everyone to see what everyone wants. And a couple of things that I want to announce before I start talking about our message today. So I'm going to be doing a couple giveaways. So you're going to want to be on my email list. So if you're receiving my emails, you'll get this email. If you're not receiving any emails from me, just go to my Instagram at Terrence Arconi, click the link in my bio and join my email list. And you will get the emails talking about the giveaways. So I'm going to do a giveaway for leaving reviews on my podcast. If you are a listener and you love listening to this podcast channel, I want you to leave a review. Um, And then I'm also going to be doing another giveaway for answering an anonymous survey of about 30 questions. They're very deep, serious questions. It's completely anonymous. I won't know your email, your phone number, your name, nothing with it. Just see your answers. And we're going to start a series titled we're all the same and the survey answers are super important i need about a hundred people that are going to fill out this survey so i'm going to do some giveaways i'm going to give away some chosen and anointed apparel i'm also going to give away my favorite bible and my favorite children's bible because i believe that you have children in your life that could use this bible whether you have kids or not and my bible that i read is just hands down my favorite Bible. It's a chronological Bible. So I love it. I've learned more from this Bible than any other Bible. So stay tuned. You're going to be getting those emails in the next couple of days. And if you want to enter the giveaway, you just follow the instructions. But today we're going to be talking about two things. So these are both things that I've been learning lately. And when I started this podcast, God told me, share what you're learning. So every time that I get all up in my head about what should I talk about, what should this next episode be, I ask myself, what have I been learning lately? And it takes me a minute sometimes to really sit down and think and sort my thoughts. These two things that I've been learning lately have been monumental for my growth. And I've been doing things a little differently with both of these things. And I think that that's why I've grown so much. I've noticed that I've changed over the last couple of weeks and in the best way possible. And the two things that I want to talk about today are fear and focus because they are just so important living your life. You have to get these two things in order. So the first one I want to focus on is focus. So 
the biggest thing that I've been learning lately is what I focus on will grow. So, you know, the saying, like, if you water your own grass, it'll be greener. Like, don't focus on the neighbor's green grass. Just focus on watering your own and it will get greener. It's really that simple. And what you focus your mind on and your attention on, the things are going to grow. So a couple of things that I used to focus on. So I used to focus on fear and stress all the time. And I didn't do that on purpose. I didn't like make a list that said, okay, today I'm going to focus on all the things I'm afraid of, but it's just what my mind did. It's like what the thoughts, so you're working, you're driving, you're cleaning, you're doing your to-do list, you're running errands, you're running kids around, you're doing whatever you do in a normal day. What is that record that's playing in the background of your mind all day long? Is it stress about money? Is it your failing marriage? Is it the fact that you hate your job or you're stressed out about a decision you have to make? What is it that's running in the background? For me, that's that was what ran in the background. It was fear. It was this hustle of you better keep going. We have so much to do. We don't have enough time. I don't feel like doing anything, but I have to do all of this stuff. And it was just this negative weight on my shoulders all the time. And In fact, I tried to read books and I tried to learn as much as I could about how do you just do things you don't want to do. And I really felt like that was the definition of success is doing a bunch of things you don't want to do. And over time, you'll eventually be successful. Sacrifice as much as you can now. You'll be successful later. I used to do all these tricks and I used to teach these tricks too. Like one of my tricks I used to teach and I was thinking about this today as I rolled out of bed and literally put earrings on. I was like, I slept in this outfit. Okay. And I just put these earrings in. I'm like, maybe I'll look more put together if I put these gold hoops in my ears. I was thinking about how I used to teach people to wake up extra early and get ready. I used to say like, wake up and put a full face of makeup on, do your hair, wear something cute because you're less likely to crawl back into bed. If you look like that. You're less likely to take a nap if you look like that. You're less likely to be lazy if you look put together and good. And so I would wake up, I would do my full face of makeup, contour, eyebrows, I would do it all so that I would be super ready and I would use it to trick myself into being more motivated to get more stuff done. When today, as I was putting these hoops in and thinking about after my call, I'm going to climb back into bed and I'm actually going to read two books that I've been wanting to read and I'm going to get through some chapters of them and I want to write my own book. I want to spend some time doing that today and I want to spend some time just sitting in prayer and finishing my study that I've been doing and I couldn't wait to crawl back into bed and to do this and I was just kind of laughing to myself thinking like how funny was it that everything inside of me was saying we don't want to do this. We don't want to be motivated like this. We don't want this hustle. We don't want this drive. We don't want this fakeness. We don't want this, like, just do all this stuff so that we can have all this stuff kind of mentality. And it's just kind of funny how things change and how you grow and how you develop because why force yourself and trick yourself and try to do all these things to get you to do something you don't want to do if you don't want to do it? Well, that's kind of a red flag in itself. Like, 
like, why are you trying to force yourself to do all these things just to say that you're not lazy or just to accomplish more and say how successful you are, or just to feel like you're enough or feel like you're successful. All of these things, they don't even matter to God. Yes. Are we called to take care of the things that we have? 100%. Are we called to be good stewards of the things we have? Yes. Is ministry work hard work? Of course it is. It's tough. And there are things that you have to do that you don't want to do. But if your life is consisting of you just constantly telling yourself, just keep doing all these things I hate, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. There's something wrong with how you're living your life. It's either the thoughts you're thinking, it's the career you have, it's the place you live, it's trying to keep up with the Joneses, it's trying to prove yourself. Maybe you have trauma and scars and things that you're trying to overcome and overcompensate for. That's why therapy is always so great because it's an outside person not living in your emotion or your situation, looking into a glimpse of what's happened to you and validating and talking and telling you, this is why you do this. This is why you think this way. This is why you act this way. And it's great to be able to see that because sometimes we're so deep in our own panic and our own hustle and our own stress that we don't even realize what we're focusing on. So for me, I was focusing on this like hustle and fear and I don't have enough and I need more. I was not realizing that that's what my focus was on. And that's what was growing inside of me. That's what fueled me every single day. I would wake up and it would be the hustle and I need more and we have to accomplish more and we have to show people we have more. And it was just this unhealthy feeling. And it took me a long time to even realize that those thoughts were unhealthy because for a long time, I wore it as a badge of honor. Like, look at me. I'm so motivated. I'm a hustler. I work hard. I get what I want. I'm, I'm not going to back down. I'm, and I thought that it was so amazing. And then I finally, over time, God revealed it to me that this isn't what is important because deep down I would think, am I truly fulfilled, joyful, happy? Do I have peace, patience, gentleness in my soul? Am I kind? Do I have self-control? No, I didn't have any of the fruits of the spirit. I felt miserable. And so that's how you truly know, like, just take a step back for a second and think, how do I feel in my life? Like, don't think of the, don't think of the circumstances and the things that you're going through, but think truly deep down in your soul, how fulfilled do I feel? So it's not about how much money is in your bank account. It's not about how many kids you have, what your house looks like. It's not about anything, any type of stuff. It's a feeling deep in your soul. How fulfilled do you feel? And if you feel pretty fulfilled, then that's good. That's a great sign that you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, that you're, you're feeling good. You're, you're liking your life. You're supposed to like your life. You're supposed to love your life. So if you can sit back and think, how fulfilled do I feel? I don't feel fulfilled at all. Well, that's a huge indicator that something needs to change. And so just start praying that God reveals to you what you need to change and just try to be mindful of what are you focusing on? What is the inner voice telling you all day long? And that's why I love listening to things and reading things, because when you can't turn your mind off, it's impossible to listen and truly hear while you're talking. So if you can't stop talking in your brain and saying all these negative things to yourself, turn off your brain, stop listening to that record and listen to a different record. Put on a sermon, put on a Bible study, put on an audiobook, put on music, 
do anything that gets your minds to stop thinking and spinning this record over and over. So things that I've been focusing on lately are financial health, my marriage, motherhood, and growing closer to God. And these are things that I think of every single day. And it is the top of my priority list to do these things. And financial health is something that I have struggled with my entire life. So I was raised by two parents who had nothing growing up and they wanted us to have everything that they never had. And my dad was very blessed and he ran a business and they had a lot of money and they gave us kids everything we wanted under the sun, plus some, and spoiled us rotten and didn't really teach us about spending money and making wise financial choices. And it was, you know, borrow money and then owe more money and just keep, you know, do, just get what you want. You, you earned this, you work hard for this, you want this, go get it. And so that's how I was raised. And so when I became an adult, and realized that I didn't make the money that my dad made, but I was still living the way that I was raised as, it was really hard because I took out a lot of credit card debt and I would have this mindset of, I work hard and I deserve this. And so I would overspend and I would, I would buy a car that I couldn't afford and I would do things that I had no business doing and I couldn't pay my bills. And it was this huge struggle forever. And so I met my husband who was raised completely opposite. He is the most financially sound person I've ever met in my life and had all this money in his savings and investments and very diligent about money and would go without everything so that he could save money and do stuff. So we were on two completely different ends of the scale. And over time, he brought me up to his level. I'm still not at his level, but it has been the number one fight in our marriage since our relationship began actually of money. And you know, he tries to keep the peace in our house by just letting me do these things because he doesn't want to create an argument and a fight. And so we do things and then it just creates this divide between us. And we're not able to have the things that we truly love and we need because I just blow money on things that I like and want. And I've gotten so much better, way, 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 way better, like a million times better when I think of the things that I used to do around money, but I still do a lot of dumb things about money. I'm still finding myself buying all this stuff on Amazon that I don't need. I still find myself wanting to spend money on food instead of eating food at home and justifying it with, I've worked so hard this week. I don't feel like cooking. I deserve this. I want this. We make money, we can do this. And I'm still finding myself in these patterns and we bought our property where we're gonna build our home. And I knew for whatever reason, God wasn't giving us this property and this home yet or the, the financial means to build this dream home. I knew that he was delaying in this. We've been praying for this home for probably three years and wanting it so bad and searching for property and looking at home plans to build and just wanting this. But I knew that God was waiting to de deliver it to us because we weren't ready. And when I, I started reading scriptures and listening to different sermons about why God doesn't give you the things that you want. And a lot of the reason is because we're not ready to receive them. 
that if he gave us what we wanted, we would ruin it. We would blow it. You know, you're praying maybe for all the single women out there. You're praying for a spouse. You want to be married so bad. I talked to so many single women who just want to be married. Like, where is my husband? I just want to find him. And they're so lonely and they're searching and they're searching and they're searching, but they're not ready to meet their spouse because they're not ready. And if they met him now, they could ruin it because of the ways that they think and the ways that they act and their beliefs. And God is working on them to prepare them and to get them ready to meet their spouse. Same thing with your spouse. He might not be ready to meet you yet. And we pray for these things and we want them so bad. Like, God, please just bring me a promotion and bring me a new job and bring me these things. But there's a reason why he's waiting. Because if you're not getting what you're praying for, the answer is no, I have something better for you. Wait until you are ready or he'll tell you yes. So if he's not giving you a yes, it's wait or no, I have something better. And we have to trust in God and know that his plans are always better than ours. Do not trust your own understanding, especially when you're trying to make sense of it and it's not making sense. Exactly, Aaron, his perfect timing is everything. He knows the perfect time. He can see in the future. He knows the past. He can see way more than we can see. So you have to trust in knowing that he knows what is best. So we want this house. We want this property so bad. And we finally find the property. We buy the property. And now we want to build the house on it. But we need more money in order to start building this house. We need to pay off some debt. We need to build up a savings account. We have a lot of stuff we need to do on the property. It's 15 acres. It's all wooded all the way from the road. You can't even pull on the property. And there are a lot of things that we need to do. And we're waiting and waiting and waiting. The house that we want to build is this beautiful, massive farmhouse. It's huge, is what we wanted to build. And as I've been learning about finances, and as God has been growing me and conforming me to be more like him and to let go of things of the world, my mind is actually shifting where I no longer want this big, massive farmhouse. I don't want a bunch of stuff anymore. The biggest thing that I'm learning is that less is more. I don't want stuff. And there's this uh, documentary on Netflix, and there's a couple of them about being a minimalist. So if you just search minimalism or minimalist, you'll find these on there and you can watch them about these people, these two guys who changed their life because they had everything they've ever wanted. They realized how miserable they were and they realized how much stuff wasn't fulfilling them. And I can relate to this because this is exactly my story of just feeling like I need more and I need more and I need more. And I'll eventually feel like I'm enough and I'll have enough and I'll feel successful. And then the more I had, the worst I felt. And it's because stuff is never going to get you to where you want to be. This entire idea of the world right now is mind blowing to me how much we've all been brainwashed to live in this society, in this culture, whether you're a strong Christian or you are an atheist, it doesn't matter your spiritual beliefs. We're all doing the same thing. 
We're all literally living our lives to just afford more stuff. And the more stuff we have, the less time we have. Our stuff is replacing the things that truly matter. So we wanted a boat. Well, we bought a boat and now we have to clean the boat and now we have to take care of the boat and now we have to put it in and out of the water and now we need to winterize the boat and now we want more stuff for the boat, which requires more money, which requires us to work more. We bought the boat so we can have family time. Uh, to be honest with you, over the last year, yeah, we had some time with family where we enjoyed the boat, but there were more moments where we didn't get to enjoy because we were taking care of the boat that we had. We were fixing the flat tire on the trailer. We were getting it waxed. We were paying for these things, which made us have to work even more. You have a house. Let's say you, you move from an apartment to a house because you want a house. I talk to a lot of people that are like, all, all I want is a house. That's it. I want to be able to afford a house. I want a yard. Well, guess what comes with a house now? Things breaking down in the house, having to replace things in the house, having to cut the grass, having to do things outside. All of that takes time and it all takes money and it all takes more stuff to be able to do it. And what are you doing? You're now not spending time with your family. We lived in section eight housing. We lived in an apartment and we had so much time. <laughs> there was literally nothing to do. If something broke, we would just call the person at the front. They would come fix it. And we just lived in this little apartment. We were all together all the time. We had no money to do anything. We ate all of our meals at home. We had barely anything in our house. We had one leather couch that we got on Craigslist for free in our living room with one little tiny TV stand with a TV on it. We had a tiny dining room table. We had barely any decorations. We, we had nothing to really even clean. Like to clean my house took an hour and a half and we were done cleaning. And just having little amounts of stuff gives you the amount of time and the things that really matter in your life. So as I'm growing and realizing all of this stuff, I don't want a 5,000 square foot farmhouse. I, I don't want that because what it's going to require for us to have that is it's going to require my husband to be gone and to work even more. It's going to require me to feel hustle and stress and paranoia and worry about, I need more money and I need more stuff. And, and when are we going to have this? And we need this stuff. And then what is it teaching our children? It's teaching our children that we need more stuff. We're, we're grooming them and we're getting them ready to go live lives where they want more and they want stuff and they want more stuff. And now they have TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and you, all these things that we have right in our hand all the time where we see how much stuff everyone else has, how great everyone else's lives are. And this, um, this minimalism documentary that I was watching last night, I only watched like maybe 30 minutes of it, literally blowing my mind, like mind blown on the stuff that they talk about with marketing and it, the marketing industry. People used to spend about $2 billion a year on marketing. Now they spend $240 billion on marketing before marketing was just done by your people wearing signs outside like holding signs, spinning sides, wearing them over their body, or they were on a commercial or the radio. Well, now marketing is specific to you because they know what your interests are because it's through your phone. They know what billboards you drive past. They know what you search for. They know how many kids you have. They know your likes, your dislikes. 
all of this stuff on social media and I'm guilty of doing this and giving them all this information, but I am literally on Instagram looking and liking at stuff. They know the things that make me laugh. They know the things that make me sad. They know the things that are in my Amazon cart. They know my notes section in my phone that talk about all the gifts I want. They know these things and it's their job to get you to want more things, to not feel adequate enough, to feel like I need more, I need more, I need more. And that's how I've always been. I need a coffee. I need lunch. I need to go out to dinner. I earn this. I deserve this. I need more things. I need to go to Hobby Lobby and I need more decorations on my walls. I need more pictures. I need more Halloween decorations. Even my, even my daughter was like, mom, why don't we have Halloween decorations outside? I want like fun stuff. I want like spiders on the trees. And, you know, I was like, okay, we can maybe do that. And I looked on Amazon and you can get like 500 bats for, I don't know, 50 bucks or something. And then I was like, what am I doing? No, I don't, we don't need this. We don't even need, we don't even celebrate Halloween. Like the world celebrates Halloween. We don't need this stuff. We don't need blow up inflatables in our yard and spider webs from our trees and bats everywhere. Like we don't need this stuff and thinking it's Halloween. And now we need Halloween costumes and what are our kids going to get? And let's go to the Halloween store that's popped up in every you know, vacant strip mall in the country. All of a sudden spirit Halloween and you go in there and you spend all this money on this costume they wear one time. We are literally like just so brainwashed into doing this and living our lives this way. And what it robs us of is it robs us from actually being able to live our lives. It robs us from being able to spend time and enjoy the things that truly matter. And it's all because we're working for this stuff. That's literally all it is. If you drove a car that was reliable and got you to point A to point B and you lived in a house that was decent enough and provided you with the stuff you had and you only bought what you needed, you wouldn't have to work so hard. You wouldn't have to be so stressed. You wouldn't have to miss out on these moments that are happening in our lives, but we're just trying to keep up with everyone else around us. And the, the most like amazing thing that I've ever heard is by Dave Ramsey. And he talks about if you were to save up $10,000 by cutting out things in your life and purchase a car cash and not have a car, a car payment, the average car payment in the United States is $500. If you took $500 a month and you invested it into this certain index that he talks about, he says by the eight, when you do this, when you're 18, he said, by the time you're 30, you will have millions of dollars and never have to work again and never have to worry about anything. The average person is spending $500 a month on this car. The only thing they care about is how they look at the stoplight next to a person they don't even know. Or how they look when they get out of the car at Target in front of people they don't even know. Or when you pull up at a family party and you're showing your family the nice car you have. Because it's this badge of look what I have. Look what I've accomplished. Look who I am. That's why people wear designer stuff. That's why we buy fake purses. Like I'm going to buy this like fake Gucci purse to feel cool. Why? Just to show people that you can afford Gucci and make it look like this is who you are or, or coach or Louis Vuitton or whatever we do. It's just the symbol. It's the status. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be appreciated. We want to real, we want to like people to say, oh, wow, she's amazing. She's enough. She's so great. But it doesn't matter what the world says about us. It matters what God says about us. 
And here I am, this person who's devoted their whole life living to God, and I'm still hustling and working. I quit my job and I'm telling myself I'm not hustling and I'm telling myself I don't care about things of this world, but here I am praying for God to provide us the money through my husband's work and through my work so that we can build this 5,000 square foot farmhouse that has every single feature and thing possible for what? Just to have people come over and see how big our house is? Just to have all this stuff? And so I'm realizing now in my maturity that God didn't give us the property and the house and the financial means to build this house for the last three years that I've been begging him for it because he's like, oh, immature child of mine. I promise you are going to change your mind. You're not going to want this house. I am so grateful that I'm having this realization now than having moved into the house and having the realization that. Can you imagine spending five years of your life all the time? You're, you're not home for family dinners. You're not home for anything that's important that matters. You're working like crazy when you are home. You're not even present because you're still stressed out about your job. You're thinking about working on the weekends. You're thinking about all the stuff you have to take care of and maintain now because you have all this stuff. And for five years, you build this house and you move in and you realize the first night you stay the night there, I really wish I didn't have this big house. That would be one of the most regretful things that you could feel and buyer's remorse times a million. <laughs> like, what did I just do? What did I just waste? And it's sad that most people in this world, it takes a tragedy for them to realize this, to wake up from this and realize that they've worked their whole life and now their child is sick, terminally ill, or you're terminally ill or your parents are, or your husband is, or there's an accident. Something happens where you realize, hold on a second. What am I doing? I have friends of mine who worked and hustled and they just made it their whole life to be successful in this industry. And their 16 year old daughter died in her sleep. And they thought, all they thought was I wish that we wouldn't have been so focused on working the last 16 years of her life because now she's gone. At least we have our career. That doesn't even matter. The things that this world tells us to care about that really are important are the things that truly don't matter. So me focusing on financial health, I want to talk about how you focus on something because it's like, okay, I, okay, Taryn, I get it. I, I need to change. The first thing that you need to remember is that you cannot change. Like when we went through our 12-step recovery program at my church, regeneration, new life, the very first step is admit. When you go through the 12 steps of AA or NA and you're in recovery, the very first step is admit. Admit that you are powerless. You cannot change in your own strength. Romans 7.18 says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but not the ability to carry it out. I have what's in me. It dwells within me that I want this change. I don't want to compulsively spend money anymore. I don't want to feel like I need things to be satisfied. I don't want to have to add to cart to feel this high for five seconds of this brown box showing up at my door and running out and opening up my new 
Halloween skeleton phone case that I just needed to have so bad. Okay, cool. I bought it. It was $17. It's on my phone. After Halloween, I'm going to take it off. And then what? Throw it away? It was 17 bucks. Did I need it? No. But I was like, oh, I feel like this is so cute. Look at these little skeletons like stretching on the back of my phone. I can't wait to have this. And it's fine if that's the only thing you do all month. But then you go get your nails done because you want people to see how put together you look and you get your hair done and you get your lashes done and you're buying clothes and you are going to the gym, which is healthy, but some people do it for opposite reasons. And you're buying all this stuff and you're doing all this stuff. And now you look back and you spent two grand this month on stuff you don't need. And how many hours did you have to work for two grand to afford all this stuff that you liked and wanted in the moment? So how do you focus? How do you change your focus? And like I said, I'm focusing on my marriage right now too. I'm focusing on motherhood, being intentional in motherhood in the season. And I'm focused on growing closer to God. Now, there's other things you can focus on too. Like you can be focusing on your health and fitness. That can be something that you're like, I need to start focusing on this. And it doesn't mean that I'm completely neglecting my health and fitness right now, just because I'm not completely focusing on it. But when you're focusing on something, this is what I mean when I say that I'm focusing on financial health, because I've actually had a few people message me on Instagram and ask me questions about financial health. And I was like, okay, it's time to talk about this because this is totally God telling me like, come on, Taryn, share your stuff because people are listening. They need to hear this. Financial health is something I needed to improve. I didn't, I knew I needed to improve it, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to stop getting pumpkin cold brew sweet foam coffees at Big B. Okay. I didn't want to stop going to Target and buying all the cute little stuff in the $5 section. I didn't want to change the way that I order stuff on Amazon. I knew I needed to, but I really, I really couldn't change. Like I know I need to change, but I can't. So the very first thing that you need to do to focus on your help is you need to pray for help and direction. Because you're admitting, I can't do this on my own. So my prayer around financial health has been, God, help me to stop desiring the things that I do not need. Take the desire away from me. Completely take it away from me that when I walk in a store, I don't even want to buy stuff. Because I want to buy stuff. My flesh, when I walk in Hobby Lobby, is like, oh my gosh, we need this journal. We need this book. We need these cute little pumpkin pictures. We need this blanket. We need this new rug. We need, and I say need because in my mind, I'm like, oh, I need a chalkboard for my kitchen. Oh, I need a new whiteboard for my office. No, I don't. I have five whiteboards in here and I don't use any of them. I don't need another whiteboard in my house. In fact, I've gotten rid of two recently for free on the side of the road because I had so many, but I walk in Hobby Lobby and I'm like, I need a whiteboard. I need a chalkboard. If I just had a chalkboard to write down our menu for dinners, I would be so put together. I would be so much more present and I would know I'd be prepared and my family would know. You can justify it any way you want. You know, a woman can justify spending money a million ways. I'm like, basically it was free. <laughs> like basically I actually got money from doing this because now I'm not doing this. You know, you can justify it any way you want. But you want these things. These are your desires. Ask God to change the desires in your heart. So you can also do this around your marriage. At one point, I prayed 
for God to help me to desire my husband again. And, and I'm going to get really real because I know that you guys think these things. I know that there's someone out there that's doing this, but there has been seasons of my life, especially when the enemy was trying to get us to separate where I just felt like my husband was like repulsive. Like I would be like, why does he chew his food like that? Why is he, why is he wearing his clothes like that? Why does he wear that shirt all the time? That is so annoying. I hate that shirt. Uh, he would come up and kiss me after work and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to kiss you. Like I do, like you just, and sometimes it's hormonal. Sometimes, you know, once a month we kind of get like this, like, oh, just leave me alone. But you know, it's true. Like I really didn't desire my husband anymore. I'm like, I can't even believe that I like desired him like this before. Like I don't, but you know what I started praying for? I started praying that God would give me eyes only for my husband. Make me desire my husband. Make me see him and just be head over heels in love with him again. Put this desire back in me where I love everything about him and I stop criticizing everything. Criticism is the first step to ruining your entire marriage. If you're criticizing your husband all the time, this is like an aha moment I had a couple of weeks ago that when I start criticizing again, it's like the very first step into this toxic marriage it's just criticizing anything, anything at all. Criticizing is the first start to it. Just shut your mouth. Okay. Pray that God shuts your mouth for you. God, take the words out of my mouth. And if I don't have anything nice to say, literally shut my mouth for me. Convict me. Pray that God changes the things in you that you want to change, but you feel like you can't change. And you feel like you can't change them because you can't change them. You truly cannot. So if you're in a marriage right now and let's say there's someone who's caught your eye at work or caught your eye at your kid's school, or, you know, you're already kind of really struggling in your marriage. Your husband already irritates you so badly. And now there's this new guy. He's cute. Look at him. He's nice. He treats me with respect. He goes to church. He's a great dad. You start comparing and you start thinking, if this is happening in your life right now, I want you to start praying that the Lord shuts any door to sin around you. Take away the desires in your heart. Take away the desires in your flesh to give you only eyes to desire the things that you need to desire. Motherhood, a prayer that you can pray around motherhood is Lord, help me to be a better mother. Convict me when I'm doing things that aren't good in your eyes. Help me to be present and to be focused. You know, help me to like my kids. Because I was through a period where I was like, I don't even want to spend time with my kids. I don't even want to be around them. I can't stand them. I don't like the way they act. I don't like the way they talk. I don't like every time I'm around them. It just irritates me. It angers me. I just, I hate it. I'm triggered. I'm yelling. I'm stressed out. I don't even want to be around them. I would rather just them do their own thing in their room and me be in my room and be separate so I don't have to deal with their attitudes or anything about them. Pray for that. Pray that God helps you, changes your heart, helps you to see your kids the way that he sees them because you're seeing them through the eyes of sin. You're seeing them through the lens of trauma. You're triggered. So praying for these things, have an honest moment with God. And if you need to journal these things, then write them down. 
and to talk about if, if motherhood is something you want to change, write down motherhood and write down all the things about motherhood that you hate, all the things that you're not good at and change those into prayers. The other thing that I'm doing is I'm growing closer to God. So I'm asking God, Lord, help me to become more like you. Help me to desire to want to read my Bible. Help me to desire to want to do my study because the time comes in my day where I have time to do it and I choose other things to do instead of read my Bible. But when I'm praying, God make me desire to want to read my Bible. I actually find myself all of a sudden opening my Bible and just reading it. I'm like, this is weird. I didn't even plan to do this. And here I am just reading it. Pray for God to change your desires and to give you direction. And your prayer can be, God, I want to grow closer to you. I don't even know what that means. Just help me. Just guide me. Direct me. I want to be a good mother. I don't even know what that means. I want to have a better marriage. And, you know, I don't even know if, if I can. I don't, I don't know. I'm just asking for guidance. Change my desires and direct me. You want better finances? Pray the exact same thing. That's how you start to focus on the things that you want to change. And what you focus on is going to grow. So if you start praying for help in these areas of your life, you watch, you will be helped. It is a promise. God will help you. I have had a $100 Hobby Lobby gift card that I got for my birthday. I went to Hobby Lobby three times. No, two times, two times, two times. Couldn't find anything that I wanted. Literally did not feel like buying anything. I'm like, I really do need a new picture for my bathroom. I don't know. I just don't feel like even buying that. I, I mean, I have a gift card. I have free money and I can't even spend it at Hobby Lobby. The prayers work. I'm telling you, they work. I now have the desire to be around my kids and I used to not. And I now do because of prayer. And I'm reading my Bible more because of that. Aaron says, I wrote this down a while ago that you said, and I always say it now when I pray, Lord, light the path or slam the door. And yeah, if you're someone who's like, I can't decide which one to do, you're really indecisive, you don't take subtle hints, it's like slam the door in my faith, or in my faith, in my faith, and light the whole path. I think of like a runway, like put lights all down the path where I'm supposed to go and put like caution tape, big steel door, slam it in my face. And, and then watch for the slam because the slam doesn't always feel fun. The door being slammed in your face doesn't always feel great. It means all of a sudden your boss calls you into their office and they fire you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I just lost my job. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? I can't believe I lost my job. You know what? That was God answering your prayer. It's a, it's a scary prayer, but you have to remember that every single thing is happening. It's for the good. When someone tells me that they were laid off or they were fired, the very first thing I think in my head is, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what God does in your life. Like you haven't been listening. You, he gave you the opportunity to walk away from your job and you weren't doing it. Or you're so wrongfully matched in your career, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And God's like, okay, time for change. If you can't hold a job, you keep getting fired. It's because you're not doing what God wants you to do. You're not in the right career. You're not at the right company. You're not doing what God wants you to do. If he gave you these gifts and you're ignoring them and you're doing something totally different, you keep losing your job, maybe you're not in the right path. So pray for help is the first way to focus. The second way is learn what God says about it. 
You have to read your Bible. If you don't read your Bible, you are never going to learn what God says about these things. You're not going to know what God says about financial health. You're not going to know what God says about marriage. You're not going to know what God says about motherhood. You're praying that God helps you. This is literally answer. God, what should I do? Read the Bible. It'll tell you. You can go on Google and type in or go to gotquestions.org and you can type in, what does the Bible say about marriage? What does the Bible say about motherhood? What does the Bible say about financial health? It will literally tell you scripture after scripture after scripture. Write down the scriptures that connect to your spirit that you're like, oh my gosh, light bulb moment. Write them down on a note card and put them on your fridge. Put them on your bathroom. Put them in a deck of, of scriptures and read them all the time. You have to be learning what God says about it. You can also do a study or use an outside resource. So for me, learning about my finances as the same example is I needed to learn about this. What does God say about money? So I used the resource of Dave Ramsey, who talks about financial peace. He talks about stewarding money God's way. And my husband and I took a class so we could learn about it. You need to learn. If you want to become an engineer, you need to take classes. You need to, you need to read stuff. You need to watch videos. You, you need to learn. It's the same thing. And if you're focusing on this, it's going to make you constantly want to get better at it. So if you're in a class and you're reading a book and you're praying and you're writing down scriptures, it's at the forefront of your mind and it's your focus and you will get better at it. So if it's your marriage that's struggling, do a study. Find a study at your church or a local church in a marriage ministry. If your church doesn't have a marriage ministry, look at local churches and call them and ask them, look on their website. Do you have a marriage ministry? Do you have classes we can take? There are classes you can take that would be life-giving to your marriage or to motherhood. Do you have a mom's ministry? Do you have a motherhood ministry? Contacting your church. How do I grow closer to God? What do you guys have that, that I should start doing that I can start reading and researching and studying and showing up and being there? What you give your time to is where you're going to focus and is what's going to grow. Reading books about it. Find books on financial health. Find books on marriage. Find books on motherhood. Books on growing closer to God. And if you don't have time to physically read a book, you don't have time to sit down and do that or maybe it's hard for you to read or you get really tired when you read or it's hard for you to comprehend get your books on audio listen to your books in the nooks and crannies of your day you're cleaning your house you're listening to a book you're taking a shower and doing your makeup and your hair listen to a book you're driving to work you're listening to a book you're driving to go get lunch you're listening to your book even if it's five minutes at a time you will be surprised at how quickly you get through a book most of the books are like five hours long you could get through that in a week easily if you're intentional. I read books on Audible way faster than I do. And my favorite app that I use is just Audible. It's through Amazon and it's great. I love it. You can watch Netflix shows and documentaries. So that's why I've watched the minimalism documentary because I want to know what they're doing. I want to hear the facts. I want to see the data. I want to learn more. There's tons of stuff on Netflix in documentaries on marriage and motherhood and, and God. There is, there's tons of stuff out there and there's stuff on social media, YouTube videos, TikTok, Instagram. I mean, you could literally go on TikTok and type in like marriage tips and you can hashtag marriage tips and scroll through and you can see hashtag financial health, 
hashtag financial tips. Go through and scroll. There's financial advisors. There's tons of people on there that are giving information. And the last thing to focus is connecting to like-minded people. Because if you're not surrounded by other people who care about their financial health, it's going to be really hard for you to care about yours. If you're trying to get your finances in order, but you're hanging out with all these people that are acting like millionaires when they're not, taking out loans for everything, overspending, oversplurging, all they care about is stuff, it's going to be hard for you to hang out with them. If you're trying to have a better marriage, but everyone that you hang out with is bashing their husbands, they've been divorced, they can't stand men, it's going to be hard for you to be a respectful wife. If you're hanging out with other moms who don't really care about their motherhood ministry, and they're letting the world raise their kids, it's going to be hard for you to focus on raising them in Christ. So if you don't have a community of like-minded people, the very first thing I say is to join a church. That is why you need a church. You don't need church to go to heaven. You don't need church to be saved. You don't need church for any of those reasons. You need church for the community. You need people face-to-face, body-to-body, holding hands, standing next to you, praying over you. You need a community of people in your church. Go find a church and don't just go on Sunday, but get plugged into a group. Connect to your church. If you don't have this right now, I want you to pray for this. And then I want you to follow your intuition. Okay, so can you want a group of people that are like-minded? Lord, bring me other people who care about their marriage like I do. Bring me other people who care about their financial health like I do. Bring them to me. Connect me to them. Make your perfect connections. Bring us together like strong magnets that can't resist each other. Make the perfect connections in a perfect way. Bring me this. And then trust your intuition. Your intuition is God telephoning to you. If you have the Holy Spirit, you need to stop for a minute and think, what do I feel like I should do to connect with other women in my community? Think about it. And if you get an idea and you're like, I feel like, I really feel like I should go to that church. And a lot of people tell me that, like, I've had this feeling that I need to go to this church and I don't know if I should go, you should go. If you feel this, like, mm, I should do this. I should join this mom's group in my area. I should join this class. I should, then you should do it. It's God answering your prayer. So you need to start focusing it, to start. You need to make a list of what am I focusing on? What is important to me? What do I want to grow in my life? Maybe, maybe list it that way at the top of a journal entry. What would I like to see grow in my life over the next year? You know, we're getting into the end of the year. There's only two and a half months left of this year. A year flies by. Let me tell you, I've been intentionally following this path and this journey with God for the last year. I cannot even believe how fast it's gone by. We're almost to the end of the year. What would you like to see different about your year next year? in 2023. And if you want to have the best year of your entire life that you've ever had, make God be the number one thing you focus on. Because if you focus on God first, all other things will happen. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added onto you. If you get closer to God, everything around you is going to get closer. Your marriage is going to get better. Your finances will get better. You'll be better at motherhood. The number one thing is God. The second thing that I want to talk about is not being afraid. So this is the other thing is that I'm focusing on all these things, but yet I have this fear in the background of my mind running on repeat that I'm afraid and I'm scared. 
Do you know that the phrase do not be afraid is listed 365 times in the Bible? That's one time a day. 365 times is the amount of days in a year. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Did God tell you to do something? If he did, then he will be there in the midst of it all. Stop being afraid of it. So God told me to start a mom's ministry, but I was afraid. I'm not the best mom. What if I screw up? What if someone asks me a question? I don't know how to answer it. What if something goes wrong? What if someone's offended? What if nobody comes? What if I fail miserably? What if nobody likes me? What if I'm rejected? What if all these things, if you say, what if at the beginning of something, it's a fear. What if? No, it doesn't matter. Cut that out of your life. Stop saying what if and just think, does God want me to do this? Yes, then he will be there in the midst of it. I sat there last week and was so afraid and had so much fear and I was nervous and I had anxiety. I was nervous. Like, what if I get on stage and my mouth is dry and I'm shaky and I forget what I was going to say or say the wrong thing or say the wrong scripture or someone doesn't think I'm good enough or all these things, okay, that I'm thinking. And then I have imposter syndrome. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I didn't go to seminary school. I don't know about this stuff. Am I even like the right person to lead this ministry? I'm not even that good of a mom. What if I mess up? Like all these things that go through your mind. And then I, I sat there and thought, do I truly feel like this is where God wants me to be? Yes. Yes. I truly feel there are so many like coincidental things that have happened where you're like, okay, this is not a coincidence. Like no way. Everything has been brought together in such a divine way. I know that this is what God wants right now. So he told me to do it. He will be there with me. So I prayed, God, take away my anxiety, take away my fear, give me your peace. And I knew what to pray for because I knew the scriptures. And I went to, I went on Google and I typed in, what does the Bible say about being afraid? And my favorite website that I go to, to, to see like what all the scriptures, like if I want to see, like, give me all the scriptures on fear, all the scriptures on being a good steward. All the scriptures of bravery, courage, motherhood. I love to go to open Bible. It'll just come up in a search. I think it's openbible.info because the way that they list all the scriptures are just so easy to read and there's no ads and it's very simple and it's just every single scripture and you can see it. And I just think it's really easy to find, but I knew. So when I was afraid, I went on Google and I asked, what does the Bible say about being afraid? And I started reading the scriptures. Okay. So now I know what God says and what he's commanded. So now I know what to pray for. And there's a few of them. Like Isaiah 41 10 says, fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I am afraid to do the meeting last Friday and I'm terrified and he says, fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you do this. So my prayer was God strengthen me, help me, make me believe it. Take away my fear and anxiety. Deuteronomy 41.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of anything for it is the Lord, your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. 
So if you need to go in and talk to your boss about something and you're anxious about it, if you need to have a conversation with your kids, if you need to stand up for yourself with your parents or with a sibling or a child, or you need to have a conversation with your husband, think of these scriptures, be strong and courageous. Do not be fear or in dread of anything. What are you dreading right now? What are you dreading? What are you fearful of? God doesn't tell you to do that. Second Timothy one, seven for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control your spirit of fear and stress and worry and anxiety right now is not from God. It's from the enemy. And if he can get you fearful, you will, you will freeze. Like if you let it just spin in your head and get out of control about how scared you are, you're not going to do it. He's going to tell you, start a mom's ministry and you're going to be too scared and you're never going to start it. But yet you're praying that God uses you and uses you to change the world. He's like, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to answer your prayer, but I can't force you to do it. You have to do it. You know, your intuition is telling you, you know, the scripture is telling you Joshua one nine. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. John 14, 27, peace. I leave with you. My peace. I give to you. Not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. So I was praying, God, give me your peace. Give me all of your peace around this. Take away all anxiety, all nervousness. I'm going to do this, but I need you to be here with me because I'm terrified. In Isaiah 41, 13, for I, the Lord, your God holds your right hand. It is I who says to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Literally, he holds your right hand. Think of God doing that. You're standing there in your right hand right now. Look at your right hand and imagine God is holding your hand. He is sitting at your desk with you. He is in the car with you. He is at the gym with you. He's walking on the treadmill with you. He is with you all times. He will never let you go ever, ever. He will never not be there. No matter what you do, no matter if you tell him off, whether you don't believe in him, he's always there. In 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He loves you. Anything you're anxious about, and <clears throat> I just love journaling because I'm a visual person. I, I need to like pull the thoughts out of my head. It's hard for me to organize my thoughts in my head because there's just so many all the time. And so if I just will write in my journal, like, what are all the things I'm anxious about right now? I literally write anxiety and underline it. What am I anxious about? Anything. Write it. And look at the list and say, God, I'm giving you this entire list. All of it. I know you say you give me your peace, prove it, show me. The last thing I want to say is that, you know, as I was writing this and thinking about what we're supposed to be focusing on and, and not being afraid. And I was thinking about all the people in the Bible who were terrified and who were afraid. And I don't know for sure that they were because some of the scriptures and the stories don't talk about it. But I can only imagine what it would feel like. And if I was this person in their place, I would be terrified. I would be very afraid. But if these people didn't do the things that God told them to do, 
we wouldn't even be here as we know it. And they trusted in God. And this thought too, sometimes where I feel like, okay, God's telling me to, like, God's telling me to write this book, right? He's telling me, write this book called The Valley. It's going to help women wake up and get them out of the valley. Just write the book. And sometimes I kind of sit back and I think like, am I crazy? Like, like, I really think God wants me to write this book. Like, like telling people this is going to be a, a New York Times bestseller, but I'm going to be an author. What if that doesn't happen? I'm going to look like an idiot. You know, there's a lot of these people that were told to do things and they told people about them and they did them. And they were probably wondering, like, what if this doesn't happen? So let's start with Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden. Can you imagine you're the only human being on this earth and it's you and your spouse and you're in this beautiful garden, you have all this stuff and you literally get kicked out for doing something wrong, kicked out and there's angels guarding the garden and God says, get out, get out. You want to be free? Go do your thing. Do you think that they were afraid? Yeah, they were, but they did it anyway. Um, how about when Joshebed had to leave her son Moses in the river? Because in Egypt that time, they said, you know, we're going to kill all the little boys. And she just had a son and she didn't want him to be killed. Can you imagine if the city that you live in right now sent out a letter and said, next week, we're going to kill all the boys in all the houses? Do you think you'd be afraid? Would you be a little scared? especially if you just had a little tiny baby. So she sets him in a river in a basket and pushes him away and the baby's crying. Can you imagine doing that as a mother? How afraid you would be? But if she didn't do that, Moses never would have been found by one of the royal people who then took him and raised him in the kingdom. He would have been killed. And what Moses goes on to do, Moses is told by God to go speak to the Egyptians and say, let my people go. He had some sort of speech, something going on that we're told about in scripture where he wasn't very confident and he was nervous. What if I said, hey, I want you to go to this ruler who just randomly beheads people. I want you to go there and demand that he lets all his slaves free. D do you think you'd be afraid? And then he had to tell the king, if you don't do this, my God will punish you. Talk about like, okay, God, are you really going to punish him? Because if I tell this king, you're going to be punished. What if he doesn't get punished? Like, what if nothing happens? He had to trust God that he would do it. And he did. He led all the plagues, kept doing plague after plague after plague after plague. Then when he finally let the people go, Moses was in charge of leading these people out of slavery. Do you know how many people that Moses was leading? Okay, one person, Moses, was leading 2 million people out of slavery. Imagine walking down the road with 2 million people behind you. You have no microphone to talk to any of them. There's no social media to communicate. There's no email thread, okay? There's no notifications. You're literally walking through a desert. You have no food. You have no water. And 2 million people you just convinced to follow you because you're going to save their life. And now they're like, um, excuse me, Moses, this is miserable. We're starving. We're, we're so thirsty. We have children. We have old people. We're exhausted. You said you would help us. 
Moses was probably pretty scared. He had to encourage 2 million people. He had to lead them away from the Egyptians. He had to part the Red Sea. God said, lift up your staff. He had to trust. He had to do it. Imagine like lifting up your staff. Like I, you know, there was this woman yesterday who, who answered an altar call at my church. She was blind or um, impaired visually. She had a cane with her and she was walking down the aisle and she got to the front and she asked for prayer. And I don't know what she asked for prayer for, but I had this thought in my mind, like go up to her and pray for her vision to be restored. And I was like, that is crazy. Like, I, that's crazy. I'm not going to go up to her and be like, in the name of Jesus Christ, your vision is going to come back. Like, that's weird. That's so strange. Inside, the Holy Spirit was like, go and do that. Go pray. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And why? Because I was just afraid. What if that could have given her her vision back? If there's people in the Bible that prayed and restored people's visions, who restored their walking, who they were paralyzed and now they weren't, they were dead and now they're alive. And it wasn't just Jesus. Noah building the ark. And imagine you're in a world right now and God tells you to build this massive, huge ark with you and the seven people in your family and you do it. And you're like, what if it doesn't flood? Like he built the ark for like a hundred something years during that whole time, like imagine the kind of mockery that he got. The people are like, oh, there's Noah building his ark. Yeah, there he goes. Still doing it. There's Taryn writing her book, thinking she's going to be a bestseller. Like, how crazy is she? And then imagine when the flood came, he was like, okay, I'm not crazy. This is real. But imagine how afraid he was. I mean, they were on the boat for 140 days or 150 days. And everyone he knew died. Everything he knew drowned. David and Goliath. David having to fight Goliath. You know how scary that would be? You go to fight a giant. It's like, oh, by the way, Aaron, here's a bag of rocks. And you're going to go kill this giant who's five times taller than you. And all the people in the army that have armor are terrified to fight him. But can you go do it? Okay, great. That would be terrifying. And I don't think that I would have done it. But, you know, if Noah didn't build the ark, the world would be different as we know it. God started over with Noah building the ark. If he would have just let it just go crazy with evilness and wickedness, imagine what it would have happened to the world. Everyone was just killing each other. There was no one that was good besides Noah and his family. So I'm grateful for him doing these things. And I'm grateful for this helping because we are here today because of it. Um, you know, the other one is, if you don't know the story of Joseph, um, he was sold into slavery by his own brothers. And then he was wrongfully imprisoned for two years because the what the queen convinced him of trying to sexually assault her when he never did that. She wanted him. She was like, Joseph is so fine. He is smoking hot. I want him. I want to have an affair. And Joseph was like, absolutely not. I will not do this with you. And so she was like, this man tried to touch me and the king threw him in prison. 
And he sat in prison for two years, forgotten about. You're taken as a slave. Then you're, you're wrongfully convicted of something. Then you're imprisoned and you're in as a slave and you're in a prison cell in the basement of the castle forgotten about for two years. They're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that person. And then you finally get out and you decipher the king's dream. And the king's like, all right, I'm going to let you out of prison because you told me what my dreams meant. And he, his dreams were that there's going to be a famine. For the next seven years, things are going to be good. And then for seven years, it's going to be the worst famine we've ever seen. So the king says, all right, Joseph, you can be out. I'm going to put you in charge of my kingdom. And you're going to make sure we stock up enough stuff and do everything we need to for the next seven years so that when the famine comes, we're good. Can you imagine for seven years the fear that was inside Joseph? Like, um, God, I really hope that you actually bring a famine. Because if you don't, I'm going to look crazy. The king is probably going to kill me and I'm going to be a liar. But he didn't. He, he just kept going, even though he was afraid. You know that that thought creeped in his mind. Like, what if there isn't a famine? What if I'm crazy? What if I made that up? That would be scary. Um, and Ruth's husband dies. And all the men in her family died. And they have no idea what to do and she goes to a foreign country and she goes and she has no food or nothing she was probably afraid esther had to marry a king and then found out that they were going to kill all her people and she had to come up with a plan and try to convince him to not kill all her people that would be scary uh not to mention shadrach meshach and abednego when they were thrown into the furnace and they said, because you won't bow down and worship my false God, anyone who doesn't, when the sound of the music starts, you're being thrown into the furnace. And the king says, make the furnace extra hot because we're going to kill these guys because they're not going to worship our God. Wouldn't you be afraid? I don't know about you, but I feel like out of fear, I would have just bowed down and been like, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for bowing, but I really don't want to be thrown into this furnace. I'm sure there was a lot of people who did that. Who didn't really believe in this false God, but they were like, I'm just going to pretend because I'm just scared. And then when they went in the furnace, they never burned up. They didn't even smell like smoke, the Bible says, because they were brave. God was with them. The, the king said he saw four people in the fire. He only threw three people in the fire, but he saw four. Who was the fourth person? It was an angel that God sent. And Daniel in the lion's den. Okay, you think your God's so great? Well, here, how about he saves you from these lions? The king throws him in the lion's den all night long. The king can't sleep. He's he's like so anxious. Like, did Daniel die? What's going on? He goes there in the morning and Daniel is literally laying there petting the lions. And he was like, yep, my God delivered me. The lions didn't eat me. Um, That's scary. <laughs> I would not want to be in a lion's den. Jonah having to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go, and that's why he got eaten by the whale or the big fish, the Bible says. He's like, go to this terrible place where everyone's killing everyone. There's so much crime. It is misery there. It's hell on earth. I want you to go there, and I want you to start preaching about the Bible. Um, No, I don't want to do that. That's scary. He runs away because he was afraid. God chases him, puts him in a whale. The whale spits him out in Nineveh anyway. And he's like, okay, okay, fine, I'll go. And he does. 
how about Mary as a teen being told she was pregnant? Um, I don't know about how you would feel about your teen becoming pregnant, but if my teen all of a sudden was like, mom, I'm pregnant and it's by an angel, I'd be like, mm, I don't know. Okay. I don't believe you. And I'm not sure, you know, and, and back in the day, getting pregnant before you were married, uh, you would be killed. Like that was absolutely, you were not allowed to do that. So she's getting pregnant. Imagine how afraid she is. Then she has this baby. She has to leave and go back home and she's running and she's hiding and she has this baby in a barn. Then when he's 12, she loses him again. Then she sees him die on the cross. Imagine all the fear in her. And the disciples that had to follow Jesus, they dropped their life that they knew it and went and followed him and all the things they saw. They were in a boat with him and there was a terrible storm and they were so afraid. And Jesus wakes up and says, why are you guys afraid? Gosh, do you not have any fierceness in you? And he stops the storm. They're terrified on this. All the things they see happening to Jesus, they're afraid. There, there's a man named Jairus who finds Jesus because his daughter is dying and he's afraid. And he's like, Jesus, please don't let my daughter die. Please don't let my daughter die. Please go and save her. He does it out of fear and he's afraid to go to Jesus because he's a religious leader that isn't really a follower of Jesus, but he's going to do it anyway because he's desperate. He puts fear aside and he does it. And as he's going to save Jairus's daughter, he encounters this woman who has the issue of blood. And, and she's afraid she's been bleeding internally for 12 years and nothing can save her. And she's terrified. And she's even more terrified to go up and find Jesus in a crowd and then touch him. It wasn't like he had Twitter where he was like, I'm going to be in the temple on Sunday. Come see me. You know, she had to find where he was. She had to travel. She had to be there. And, and this one is, I totally relate to this because I have this fear of running out of food. Uh, not like of myself and my family, but if I have a party there, I always make like way more than we need because I'm always just so afraid we're going to run out. So, you know, I'm like, we need way more pizza. We need way more lasagna. We need way more garlic bread. Like there's always so much left over. It's just ridiculous how much is left over. And I'm just have this fear. So imagine when 5,000 people were around Jesus and they were listening to him and everything. And then the disciples are like, we have to send these people home. They need to eat dinner. Jesus is like, we'll feed them. Go see if anyone has any food to share. They find one boy who has a basket of like a loaf of bread and a couple fish. And Jesus is like, okay, start passing this out. Like that would be a fear. I would be like, um, ex excuse me, um, Mr. Christ, I don't think we have enough fish and enough bread to feed 5,000 people. I imagine like going through the people in a line and you're like, here's some fish for you and some bread. Here's some fish for you and some bread. And you're looking, you're like, okay, I think there's like three pieces left. And you're looking down the line and there's, uh, I don't know, a 4,995 more people to go. And you're like, um, here's fish for you. You're waiting because you're like, uh, we're about to run out. But they don't ever run out. In fact, the scripture says that there's enough for even leftovers. And Jesus being terrified to go to the cross sweating blood the night before begging God, please, if there is another way, please let this happen. I don't want to do this. I'm afraid. If he didn't do this out of fear, we wouldn't be able to be in heaven with Jesus. 
we wouldn't be able to be saved from the flames. We wouldn't. And because he did it afraid, he changed the whole world. And then the disciples after he died, they were scared. What is going to happen to us? They're going to kill us next. And they were in fear and they were hiding and they were afraid. And as the first churches started and it started spreading out, what if that never would have happened? What if the fear kept these people quiet? They were like, you know what? I'm just too afraid. I'm not going to do it. And it was so hard for me to just write my book in the beginning and to start podcasting because I just was so afraid. And so many people since have told me, thank you for doing this boldly. Thank you for not letting fear hold you back because I need what you're talking about. I need what you're saying. And that's what motivates me to keep going. It's like, okay, it's not about me and I can do these things. God, help me while I'm afraid. So I want to leave you with this. What has God told you to do deep down in your soul that you've been too afraid to do? Deep down, what has he told you to do? Start speaking, go to a different church, quit your job, have an uncomfortable conversation, reading the Bible, change careers, change passions, live out your passion, stop spending money. What has he told you to do that you're just too afraid to do? And you're all you're focusing on is this fear. And since I started living by these two things, I started changing my focus and intentionally focusing on the things that I need to focus on and thinking in the second I feel fear, I immediately prayed away. Lord, no, you said you're going to give me peace. I'm not doing it. I'm not afraid. I'm not going to worry. I'm not stressing. I'm not stressing about my kids. I'm not stressing about anything, Lord. It's up to you. Your hand is on all of this. When I started living like that, talk about freedom and fulfillment and joy. And we shared in a podcast recently about you're doing all of these things and it's it's taking you so much longer than it needs to take. God is like, okay, I want to answer your prayer. You want to change the world? Here we go. Melanie, you want to change the world? Here we go. I'm going to answer your prayers. Don't let fear hold you back. You're going to wander around in the desert like the Egyptians and Moses for 40 years because you just are too afraid to take down the, the town. He said, go take the city. Go, Jericho's yours. And they're afraid. They're like, oh, we, why? we can't do that. Those people are like big and they have guns and they have stuff. We cannot. And God's like, all right, fine. Then wander around for 40 years. And I wonder how many people died, including Moses died during that 40 years and never got to see the fruits of what they did because they were just afraid. You are chosen. You are anointed to do big, powerful, amazing things. You're not just a mom, just a wife, just an accountant, just an administrator, just an author. You're something huge. And if you let fear go and you start listening to what Jesus says, that's when things will start to change. You'll start to see if you want to grow the most you've ever grown in a year, if you want your life to be drastically different this time next year, then I challenge you to focus on God every single day and focus on him every single day. Get stronger in your prayers. Get stronger in learning the scripture. Get stronger in knowing what the Bible says. Learn. Be a student. Your life on October 17th, 2023, 
will be unrecognizable. Journal what you're learning. Journal what you're doubting. Journal what fears you have. And look back at your journal throughout the year and see how God has delivered you and changed you and grown you. The stuff that I was fearful of at the beginning of this year that God was telling me to do. And I'm like, I don't know, God, I don't know. Now I look back and I'm like, gosh, I wish I would have just followed you at the beginning of the year. Because now I'm just now realizing and believing the things that you told me at the beginning of the year. But fear held me back. Literally took me so much longer than it needed to. I could already have a best-selling book right now. But I'm afraid. And so I'm not going to let fear hold me back anymore. God wants to use you to change the world. Are you going to let him? Are you going to sit in fear and bondage from the devil? All he has to do is make you too afraid to move. And if you're too afraid to move, then you're not a threat. Then he doesn't have to worry about you jumping up and trying to take down the city. Let's just scare him. They'll just wander in circles. Don't live like that. That's not a way to live. And that's how the majority of people live. And go watch those documentaries on minimalism. And there's one on money right now. And it, they're just so good. They're, it will literally help you so much in your finances. And if you need help, if you want resources and books and things like that, reach out to me on Instagram. I would love to connect with you. Send me a DM. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what you need help with. And I will tell you resources, books, podcasts, studies, scriptures. I'll do it all. So Thank you for being here live. If you are on here live, I love you guys. If it wasn't for you, I could not do this. If you ever want to join us live, you can click the link in my bio on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi. You can actually get the Zoom information to be on live with us Mondays and Wednesday mornings when we record. And if you're listening to this recording, thank you for finding me. Love you. Love you, Aaron. I'm so glad you were here. And I got to see you. Love you, Melanie. Love you, Tina. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much in Jesus's holy name. Amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.